Hello again. This is Carol Miller from iHeartRadio's Q1043 in New York. Very happy to bring you the latest from our British presenters, Nigel Pierce and Alan Thompson. Their artist interviews give us a taste of real British radio. And this week, a very special songstress who has just signed with RL Recordings here in the States, Danielle Morgan. Danielle has quite a following in the UK. We wish her the very best in the US and here on UK Radio. Ah, that is so beautiful. A fantastic rendition there of the Bacharach and David classic, Any Day Now, which was a minor hit, believe it or not, in this country in 1964. Yeah, all those years ago. It never did much, but it has been a hit several times in America, and America is where we're going to be going with our guest today. Because um, there's some vitally important news, that uh, especially for the American market. So uh, our lovely lady friend in New York, Carol Miller, will be picking this up. And I'm very pleased once again, as always, to welcome Danielle Morgan on the phone. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning, Nigel. How are you? I'm fine, my darling. Yourself? Great. Great to be talking to you. And uh, how's that troublesome partner of yours? Where's Mr. Merrigan? Oh, he's brilliant. He's sitting here beside me. I'm right here, Nigel. How are you? Oh, what a shame. I can't run off with your lady again, can I? Because I've got you, got you as, a, as a shotgun guard, man. No, great to talk to you, John. Great to talk to you. Nice to hear you as well. Right. Danny, Danielle, um, for your proper name, there has been some amazing news, has there not, from um, your overseas venture from England. Is that not correct? Yes, that is absolutely correct. Right. Well, we're not going to spill the beans in episodes. We're going to do it in one big hit because I think it's that worthy. All I'm going to say is two words, and I'll let you tell Daniel and John what's happened. I'm going to say Detroit Motown. I'll let you carry on from there. So, Daniel, what has happened? Yeah, Detroit Motown is the home of Motown, as you know. Um, and we are very, very lucky that we have signed a record deal um, in Detroit with a company called RL Records. And uh, is that just very recently? Or, you know, is it, I know it's been bubbling for some time um, because obviously we want to let the listeners know out there in America and, of course, in England as well because we'll be following on behind. So this has been in the gestation for a couple of months or so, is it? It has. It has. Um, it, we've been working hard behind the scenes. Um, and yes, we are we are ecstatic now that um, we can finally be official with this. And yes, we have just recently signed um, with RL. So, what does this entail? Is it for a one-off track? Is it for some sort of track over a, a period, or is it for distribution into media to films? Do tell a little bit more, please. It's basically we we've taken a year um in terms of releasing um our singles we've, we've got quite a lot you know we have quite a lot of followers um and we've written an awful lot of songs so we've gone into a deal where they will be releasing our songs um over a period of the the next year um for we keep artistic you know discretion on 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 our music but you know we go into indeed films and anything else that that people want to you know book us for so to speak oh that's fantastic now um is there a particular market that they're aiming for we're not going to talk about the song yet but you, they've selected a song uh, is there any particular market that they've entered into the think where it might do well i think with the market with us with with particularly this track i think they're looking at the rock um the rock genre for this one um but 
going forward, we will be judged on the song and the type of song as opposed to what we are as artists and songwriters, if that makes any sense. Hey. So they will take each song as it comes and they will make a decision on where they think it will fit in the market. But we should go across the board, hopefully. Right, well, I know that our colleague Carol Miller... Hi, Carol, how are you? And uh, always pleased to make your acquaintance on our shows here back in England and uh, for what you do for us all in New York. I think Danny wants to drop you a line, so if you want to say hi to Carol, please do, Danny. Hi, Carol. Great to be um, in touch with you and really, really excited um, to be aired in uh, in the States. And, uh, John, do you want to say a few words? Yeah, I think, uh, Nigel, it's just, uh, this is uh, something that's been brewing for some time. Hello to Carol, uh, hello to Oral Records and to all the, the fans in America. We're really excited about uh, sharing the music to a much wider audience, getting radio airplay, uh, working with promoters, doing gigs, and generally just raising awareness uh, uh, to a much wider audience. It's really exciting and looking forward to working hard. Now, the song that they've selected um, is a song that is, um, you know, a fantastic song, is upbeat. I know that Carol's got a copy, so we're not going to play it here today because I'm going to let Carol drop it in whenever she wants to do because that's that's what they do over there. But um, can you please tell us the song that uh, they've selected, please? Yeah, we're pleased to announce the song that they've selected is No Trace of You. Now, I know the song from a couple of years back, um, but the Americans don't. So, and as this is saying specifically for the American market, how did this song come about? What was the sort of background behind it? This song was initially written as a ballad. Um, and it was initially written on the back of, we went to see one of the new Bond films. Um, and so we wrote this sort of ballad in, in the idea of a, a spy film. And then the LA producer that we worked with said, how do you want this song to go? Um, and we just had a massive stadium gig um, and we were really, really on high energy, high drums, high guitars and bass. And we said, give us a rock song, give us a stadium song, um, give us a massive song. Um, and he went, OK, gotcha. And that's what he did. So where did you record this then? We were lucky enough to record this in uh, Abbey Road Studios in London. The mech for just about everybody, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, for the first, for our first ever recording, um, we we did aim very high. I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but it's it's something for our own history that we can say that we, we recorded our very first um, EP uh, in Abbey Road. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Now, as I say, Carol in New York's got a copy of the song, so she'll slip us into the programme wherever she feels that it's appropriate. But uh, what's the song about? I mean, there's, you know, it says no trace of you. Are you, is it a lady that's looking after a partner? Is it a man that's lost his lady? Or is it something, you know, from a long lost mystery? A little bit of the story wouldn't go amiss, I think. We normally don't give the reason to a song purely because every listener... Um, relates to songs with their own way as it's as it's a piece of art. Correct. Um, but because we've got such huge respect for you and for Carol, we will give you a little insight. Um, a lot of people think that song is indeed written about an ex-partner or, or loss, but it's actually not. It starts off with My Life Is My Journey, um, and it is basically making reference to an old life, an old career, um, myself and John had past careers. We had past lives before we embarked on, on music. So it's basically us saying thank you for our past, thank you for our old life, 
thank you for those careers, but we're going, we're moving forward now. So it's no trace, basically no trace of the past moving into the next chapter. I think that's very appropriate. Now, what I'd like to do is to ask you to just sit on the phone because I'm going to play a track from a British group um, and I'm going to put the track I'm going to play is from a group called Prefab Sprout. Do you know of the group? Definitely, yeah. Paddy, yeah. Paddy McAloon and uh, one of my favourite albums is uh, the sort of Steve McQueen album, so I know them very well. Well, I'm going to play the track called A Prisoner of the Past. And I'm going to play an extended remix version. So just listen to this. You may know the track then. But uh, we're not all one-sided here, you know. We are very varied. And so here is Prefab Sprout with A Prisoner of the Past. Prefab Sprout. And A Prisoner of Their Past. I don't know about you two listening in and everybody out there, but I love that Motown beginning. I think that was, you know, I thought we were going to get Diana Ross and the Supremes there doing Baby Love or something. Exactly. I said exactly the same thing to John. I said, that's very Motown. Great track. Great track and hardly ever played. So we like to do these things here on Groove Britain. Now, um, back to America for you. So do you have any plans to get out to america and promote or are you going to sort of promote in the first sense from here or are you going to let rl records do the promotion for you we're, we're going to do a bit of both um to be honest nigel we're really lucky um to have so many people on our side um you know like we have dave hill from tenacity and we have out town media um and we're lucky enough to work with yourself that you know with carol and america and rl records we take the approach, if they like what we do, then please God, it will lead itself. So, of course, we will promote and we will do what we can, but we really will let the listeners and the industry, I think, take the lead. And if they like it, we'll give them more and we'll just take that approach, I think. I think it's a very sensible approach. Now, um, okay, so you've got all this going on. When is the song likely to be released? That's fantastic. Now, I know that from talking to yourself that um, they've got Santana on their books, haven't they, at the moment? <laughs> They're doing something with Carlos Santana. So, uh, you know, you can't say you're not mixing it, man, can you? No, and, and that's exactly why we're not exactly sure of, of you know, you know, we said March the 4th because, obviously, Santana are massive. <laughs> so um, so they have to take the limelight and, you know, we will we will get what we get. <laughs> no, no, it's not like that. You'll get you'll, you'll get whatever RL Records put to you because I'm sure they've signed you. They see you as an artist with massive potential and they're going to give you all the support that uh, they'll need so, and, and can muster for you. So that's absolutely fantastic. So is this just this single coming out on its own or is there going to be a accompanying track or, you know, what, you know, can you expand a little more or is it um, eyes down, shut down at the moment? Don't know what the next track's going to be, so we're a bit like kids waiting for Christmas at the moment. 
Oh, well, there you go. All you've got to do is look upon the shelves and get the colour of the lollipop that suits your mood. I know. Yeah, I know all about that. Now, um going to play another track like you're listening because uh, stay for us a bit longer because, as I say, Carol will get this programme at the right time and she will edit it and do what she feels that she needs to do. Um, I'm a great. I'm not a great lover in the sense of the biblical historical rele- relevance of the Pet Shop Boys, but I do like a couple of their tracks. And this one is slightly rocky because it's got a lovely Hank Marvin guitar solo right in the middle. Pet Shop Boys with Hank Marvin? I don't think so. But then again, they did this. And the song is called The Only Time You Tell Me That You Love Me Is When You're Drunk. I think that's a song that mixes so many styles as indescribable, do you not think? Absolutely, and it really works. Well, the guitarist, unfortunately, wasn't Hank Marvin. It was another brilliant British guitarist by the name of B.J. Cole. But uh, to get that Hank Marvin sound and an electronic recording of the beach, of um, Pet Shop Boys, I was going to say the Beach Boys for a minute, there you go, slap, slap, um, the Pet Shop Boys, I think that really works. What do you say, John? Yeah, no, I like it, and, and even at the ending there, it's a very uh, sort of classic ending to finish up a song, and, you know, every musician, every band has their influences from what went before, and they'll have picked up lots of influences from Motown, from, from pop, from whatever it is to make that sound, and it was a sound of its time. But I was saying to Danny, if you took out a different sound and put those lyrics into a different sound, you could make another uh, style of song completely. Um, so, so these these are all really, really nice things to hear and to look at them a different way. I think. I think that's very true, that John. But I think that one there, as I say, I'm not a great personal anorak of the of the Pet Shop Boys because I think the songs to me were a bit too harsh and a bit too too electronically. But that one works exceedingly well, like a load of their other songs that they did. But that that, that to me just fits well as a, like a fusion, if you say, of so many styles that it works well. Now, America, are you frightened? Yes. <laughs> well, that's being honest. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's such a huge dominating place, a country that's so powerful, and, and yet, you know, they say if America sneezes, the rest of the world catch a cold. Um, but I think you say you're frightened. Is it fear of losing or fear of taking something that you don't know? unknown it's not it's not because it's america it's the fear of the unknown it's it's you know when we were doing covers we were completely in control because if somebody didn't like the song um, we didn't write it so we could say okay we'll, we'll give you another song but when you're out there raw and open and it's your own work and you're out on a public forum for quite frankly people to say yes we like it or no we don't like it that is scary, and the more people that listen, the chances are at some point someone will say, actually, we don't like that. So, so that's probably why I'm scared, if I'm honest. Scared, scared of failure, I guess, but then isn't everybody. I think that's very honest, um, and I think that's to be applauded. Now, you're saying hopefully March the 4th, so what's happening up to March the 4th? Are you sort of uh, letting it sort of um, lie down and be quiet, or are you slowly slowly chipping and letting the light in because you know you've now got two sets of fans you've got your fans in britain and you've got your fan base in america and i know we're talking america today 
but I know that you care and I know that you won't want to leave the British fans left out. So how can the British people get involved and be part of what you're doing? Absolutely. Well, you know, with, with the British fans, you know, that is our home and, you know, along with our Irish fans too. Um, and we will follow and fit in just behind what RL Records are doing. So the second that we know what they're going to do, without sort of jumping on, on their plans, we will then follow behind. So we will keep, you know, the, the, the British fans here updated on, on gigs and updated with video messages and, and updates of photographs and, and all of the normal stuff that we do. But we will just be a little bit more... Um, uh, a little bit busier, I guess, but we will definitely still keep them up to date on everything that we're doing um, as very best we can as, as soon as we hear from, from the Big Apple. Well, I think that's all to be applauded. I think you're going to be more than just a little bit busy, I can tell you, but um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But uh, none with my involvement with America, um, what started out as very small, I remember Carol saying to me, now you won't have much to do, now it's taken up extra hours each day um we're doing more and more and more and she and she's wanting more and more interviews and more and more of what we can supply so i can understand where you're coming from it will it will eat into what you're doing and you'll suddenly realize that you know you're not up to your ankles in it you're up to your neck in it uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know you'll you'll realize that now what i'd like to do is uh, i know that you've got to go soon but uh, i'm up as a raving this for the american market i've got a couple of ladies now that i'd like to take a turn one is an inspiration from the 60s with a very, very powerful message. And one is an inspiration from the 80s and the 90s. So let's have a let's have a lottery. Do you want the 60s lady or do you want the 80s lady first? Um, the 80s lady first. I thought you were going to say that. So I'm <laughs> going to play the song called Another Year Has Gone By. Now, you'll know the lady, but do you know the guitarist and singer that's accompanying her? I don't know what happened there. The song just suddenly stopped. I was, uh, I think the old CD's got a bit of dust on it. But believe it or not, that was Cylon Dion with Brian Adams. Wow. And another year has gone by. We lost about the last 10 seconds, which was a shame. But uh, I like to pick out the unusual tracks, as you know, here for our team, uh, for our Groove Britain program. And, uh, you know, we are grooving in Britain, grooving for America. But uh, that song is one of Cylon Dion's best, I think. It is hardly ever heard. Wow, it is, it, it, I, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Celine Dion, um, and it's a it's a cracking song. Um, but no, I've, I've never heard that one. Well, we like to do these things here, you know, on Future Radio, 107.8 FM and Swindon 105.5. Now, I'm going to back that with another lady who's still recording from the 60s. Now, there aren't many, but this lady's got a massive following. Um, she's played with some of the Bee Gees. She's played with um, opera singers. She's played um, in musicals, she's done films, um, she is a solid inspiration, I think. But my favourite song of hers is this one now, and again, it's a song that is not played very often, and I think it's such a shame, because there's so much to it. The song is called People, and the singer is the one and only Barbara Streisand. Ah, 
Ah, the one and only Barbara Streisand. I don't know about you, but it's so emotional. It's unbelievable. Beautiful song, and and I wouldn't be surprised if Celine Dion didn't take a lot of her inspiration from um, Barbara Streisand. But what a performance, and I think that's 1966. Wow. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at 50 years later nearly, or, yeah, over 50 years now, it's still as fresh, as poignant, and as tender as it was when it was originally done. So it's an amazing track. You know, so now you've got some amazing tracks. Now, I'm going to drop a little bit in for the Americas here, because um, we are going to America today. You've been working very hard in England on Love in the Harbour. Now, the Americans won't know too much about that unless they've garnered from the internet. So could you extol a little bit and explain what you and John have got up to with that? Because I know it's been a big hit for you, uh, the Brighton Fringe and the festivals and into London. So I think our American cousins and friends need a little bit to uh, bring up to date on that one. Well, uh, uh, thanks for uh, asking. About this. This, is a, this is a project that's been two years in the making, uh, Nigel. Uh, we met the playwright um, of, uh, of uh, Love in the Harbour two years ago um, when we were doing some promotions for some gigs in Brighton. And we struck up a really great relationship and he invited us to write music um, for the play. And the play basically is set in World War One, and it is about... Um, um, real-life characters who were part of the forerunner of the RAF fighting on the front line in World War One, And it's a blend of fact and fiction. Um, the fact part is the real-life character, George McElroy, was a, a World War Two ace, the third or fourth leading ace, sorry, World War One ace, um, um, uh, in, in terms of the number of um, planes he shot down. And he also got the Victoria Cross and um, his uh, character has been forgotten down through history. And um, with the centenary of the end of World War One, and um, the play became very relevant, and uh, his story um, needed to be told. And then the fictional part is we're blending in a love story um, based um, on a fictional romance he had in Ireland, um, because he was an Irishman um, uh, originally. So it's this blend of um, real-life characters and a fictional story. It's a wonderful play, beautifully written. And then on top of that, uh, Danny and I uh, wrote the music. And the whole thing has um, been performed during last year, 2018, at various festivals and into London. A great success. Um, and we've already locked down some more um, performances this year uh, throughout England and there's more in the pipeline. And indeed, we're writing more new music um, for that uh, as we speak. Now, do you think there is a possibility that uh, you might extend it to America? Because I know that obviously Britain and America are very close as regards military assistance and everything else. It's not something that we talk about much here, but the countries do have a very close culture. So do you think there is a possibility that there might be some interest, even especially just for the song? Um, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. We've already had some early discussions uh, on that. Um, there's a lot of interest in the history because it's all current in terms of the 100 years of uh, World War One, the heroes, the lessons to be learned, um, and, and some of the themes in the play about love and courage and bravery and emotion. All those things are more relevant than ever before. 
So there is a big interest in America. We'd love to take the play across. And, um, and also the music, some of the early um, feedback we've had on the music, people love it. So we think it has great potential and we'd love to explore that further to bring the music and the play across uh, to America uh, probably later this year and, and beyond. And who knows, maybe one day uh, it could be made into a movie. Well, that could be interesting. And obviously, as I say, again, you know, the Americans and the Canadians, um, they had a lot of aces over in Europe. I mean, um, Eddie Rickenbacker, Roy Brown, um, their names that come to mind. And of course, then you've got Major Edward Mickey Manock from Ireland. You've got uh, Captain Albert Ball. All these people, you know, they're just names now put on a wall somewhere. Um, and hopefully the people remember them. But uh, they gave their life, they gave their best, and um, I think what you've done there is you've marked something very special, and I do think that the American audiences will catch on to it. Um, I know we have in Britain, and I think that you'll do a good job over there. I think so, and I think the other thing to remember is these men um, were only children, really. Um, George McElroy was 25 when he died, he was already a captain. He'd already had uh, nearly 50, uh, 50 kills, um, and he had endured God knows what sort of things um, he had endured on the front line in, in a war that nobody wanted. So all of these men um, um, dedicated themselves, um, and I'm sure all of them realized uh, the futility of war, um, but also it shows their courage uh, and their strength in the toughest of circumstances and also there's room for a love story in those circumstances as well so it's all still very relevant today and wherever um, people are young people are wherever there's tension and courage is needed the lessons of this um, will, will, will be there for everybody so yeah we're very excited and um, and we hope uh, that there will be uh, a good reception for it in America I think there will be uh, your thoughts Danny are very much the same of course yeah, for me, it was a very humbling journey, to be honest, and, and it made me realise just how much history, um, you know, myself and the, and certainly the next generation have missed. Um, and, you know, these people literally are were just kids. They didn't have a chance to get married and have children and have grandchildren. They didn't have a chance of life. So... I think it's really important that we've got our freedom that we do as much as we can to yeah. um, to make sure they're not they're not forgotten. And it, it comes very poignant today when we've got the fly pass by the RAF and the American Air Force over the grave in Sheffield. Um, I don't know if you know about it, but a plane crashed there in 1944, killing all ten members aboard. And there's a man up in Sheffield who's tended the grave every day for 70 years. And they've marked the occasion with a fly past this morning at uh, quarter to nine. Um, the American Air Force, the RAF, the, I think the Spitfire and Hurricane went from our side and uh, uh, American fighters from uh, Lakenheath. Um, you know, it just goes to show that these men that fly these most powerful beasts of the air can still have a heart. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And uh, I'm looking forward to looking at the news reports later. Now, I know that you've got to go, um, and I've got to go, but I'm going to try to squeeze another couple of tracks in. Um, I want to put a track in now that uh, means a lot. It's about 2 minutes 32 seconds, so it ain't going to last a long time. But let's see if we can get you clapping, stamping your feet to this 1967 absolute classic. <laughs> Yesterday, man. 
Well, there we go. There's Chris Andrews and Yesterday Mandel. You and John working in the music industry. Do you recognise any musical arrangements in that song? Um, I, I love this song. I did. I, I don't don't recall Chris Andrews as a, as a name um, when I was listening to this growing up, but I certainly know the song. And it, it, for me, it always reminded me of a cross between reggae and puppet on a string, Sandy Shaw. Um, and I think that's why my ears pricked up, and I loved it. And I, what a lovely surprise that you played that this morning. Um, I love that song. It's one of one of my favourites. Well, there's a link because Chris Andrews did a lot of arranging and musical arrangements for Petula Clark. Oh wow! And he also did for Sandy Shaw. Oh wow! And he also did the musical arrangements for a lot of Tom Jones, including "It's Not Unusual." Wow. Well, that makes sense then. That's perfect. <laughs> And uh, so I thought you'd enjoy that. Now I'm going to play one more track by an American lady who doesn't have a lot of airplay over here in the sense because, uh, they say, her time has gone. She went from pop star, country star to rock star to rock superstar. And then she married into politics. She married the then governor of California. And uh, she's somewhat retired. But I want to go back to uh, her early career in 1967, actually, and it's very poignant today because I'm going to play a song that was written by monkey Mike Neesmith with a little bit of help from Peter Talk who sadly died overnight age 77 so um, the monkeys are now two David Jones died three four year ago and Peter Talk as you may know died last night at let's say age sad age of 77 but he had a hand in this with the other monkey Mike Neesmith and I thought it very appropriate today uh, with you heading off to America uh, musically anyway and um, this song is from a lady. Do you know the lady by the name of Linda Ronstadt? Yes. How many people know that this is one of her very first, if not the earliest, song that she recorded? Short, two minutes, 36 seconds. I think that's so sweet. Uh, 1967, I believe it or not, with uh, Linda Ronstadt, with the Stone Ponies and the Stone Canyon Band, and I think the Monkeys had evolved, were involved with it on Capitol Records. But uh, there's a raise from the grave for you, is it not? A cracking song, absolute cracking song. Right, well, I've got to say now goodbye because um, we're going to shut this one down because we're going over to America with this. And uh, I think that uh, we have made, I made the decision that we will hear this programme in England sometime after the release in America. So America will get it first and they'll edit it down and do what they want to do. So say, first of all, Danielle, can I thank you very much for cutting the time this morning, letting everybody know about your American adventure? Nigel, thank you for having um, myself and John. It's, it's always an amazing pleasure to be on your show, and uh, we can't thank you enough. And, and, you know, a massive shout-out to everything you do and to Carol. That's great. John, have you got anything to say? Yes, just exactly like Danny, and uh, we're, 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 we're starting a great journey, Nigel. We're very excited about it, um, and we're definitely going to keep everybody up-to-date and involved. Uh, always remembering our fans in the UK, excited to make new fans in America. And uh, thank you, everybody, for all the support so far. Well, can I wish the pair of you a good day? Uh, thank you very much indeed for your time. And uh, when the programme's finished, I'll get on the phone and have a quick word with you. But for now, Daniel and Johnny, thank you very much indeed. Thanks again, Nigel. Lots of love. God bless. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Well, there you have it, everybody. The time has beaten us once again. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Groove Britain.
That was Nigel Pierce speaking with Danielle Morgan, who's just released a new single, No Trace of You, on RL Recordings. Listen for Danielle joining Nigel again Sunday, March 17th, 3 p.m., Greenwich Mean Time, GMT, on futureradio.co.uk. That's futureradio, one word, .co.uk. This is Carol Miller. Catch you next time on our UK radio podcast.